This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm Tracy Barnett, your guest host today. Heroes, James had some family obligations, so I am filling in in the guest host role right now, and this week we are continuing James's solo run of StarCrossed. Now, I really dig StarCrossed. Uh, I've, I've seen other folks play it. I have listened to playthroughs of it here on One Shot, and this solo run is, I think, actually something really, really special. I think doing all of this work on your own is a really, really interesting exercise, and I think that James absolutely nails it. I I can't wait for you to hear uh, how this episode goes. Uh, So we're not going to wait any longer. Let's get to it. I do not wish to ask you anything that you do not wish to do in this process. As I have said, that will run counter to what we are trying to accomplish together. And as I have said, I admire you and do not wish uh, for you to be put in a position that is undue. I can feel how earnest he is through his voice, through the touch of his mind, through the touch of his hand, and it is almost too much. I just have a lot of emotion right now coming from a lot of different places, but I can feel, I can feel all of that sincerity. What you're asking of me is not an imposition. I, it's unusual. Um, it's my first time doing anything like this. Uh, and it, because it is different, I might feel a little discomfort. But what I am going to try and do, because again, I, I respect you and this process uh, very seriously, very much. Um, I am going to try and push through some of that discomfort for the sake of this process. And what I would like you to allow me is the freedom to do that without you feeling responsible for it. If something becomes too intense or crosses a line that I don't think I can cross, I will tell you. I will let you know. Um, and 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 we can pull back from there uh, if that's all right. Uh, otherwise, there's gonna be there's gonna be some discomfort, but uh, from mm, sometimes discomfort is part of the path to opening up i i don't think i could have i mean that's that's kind of how it happened with your brother actually and i'm trying to decide if this is a reveal i don't know if this is a reveal yet um but i think we can have zam maybe maneuver it into a reveal tell me what you mean by that i can feel his fingertips gently press into my chest as he says that. Again, I feel warm for so many reasons, but true to my word, I try to push past it. I worked very hard uh, to learn Zalian cultural protocols 
And saying that out loud, uh, it is so hard uh, to do that in a way that feels truly respectful. Like, I knew how important Zaron was uh, as a diplomatic figure, uh, as, as someone within your own culture and on your world. I took that very seriously, and so I committed myself to study. So I knew a lot of the differences. And while we were in our early days working together, I had to confront them and work with and through them. Um, one of the first days we were working together, uh, he just sat down on on a, a sofa next to me as I was going through our our to do list, uh, and Gazalian sits so close, and it was kind of awkward, kind of weird to uh, go through my workday with someone who wasn't my boss, but like. I was responsible to him and, and for him. Uh, and he was just sharing a space with me in a way that felt very close and very intimate. Um, and I knew he didn't mean it that way. Not, not as an imposition, just, just like you, you, this is normal and, and friendly, but it doesn't mean that, I didn't get embarrassed at every other thing and spending enough time in that embarrassment, there was something liberating. I think it actually helped me become close to Zaron. There was something about the, the gentle way I was placed in these situations that offered me a measure of embarrassment. Um, Nothing harmful was meant. I knew that everything would be okay, but it was still weird. It was still allowed to be weird. And that made everything weird and everything not threatening, I guess. And it helped us develop a great rapport. As I say that, I can feel myself exhaling the the warmth of zam's touch is really soothing at this point and i have that kind of buzzing comfort comfort is such a difficult word to diagnose around this feeling because in a lot of circumstances it would be embarrassment it would be discomfort but because there is a peace with it, it feels sweet. And then I feel the hand withdraw, and I can see a smile on Zam's face. And it's a smile, I think, that if I ever saw it on Zaron's face, oh, it would, it would have only been once or twice, because it is a relieved smile. And Zaron was the type of person who always projected an air of calm, even in the most intense situations. I think maybe the only time I saw a relieved smile on Zaron's face was when I kissed him back after he kissed me. That relieved smile plays across his features before he turns to me again and says, Are you going to keep your uniform on? And like another shock and lightning bolt, uh, the warm, calm, good feeling of, of a little embarrassment uh, becomes a lot more uh, confusion and embarrassment. Uh, once again, my cheeks flush up. Uh, my ears are burning. Um, it, everything just feels so hot. Uh, <laughs> and I, in the most measured way I can muster, I'm sorry, excuse me? <laughs> I apologize. Uh, I have traveled quite a long way to come here. Uh, 
and I spent most of our day together meditating, um, which is not as restful as one might imagine. Uh, I wish to turn in for the evening, um, if you would be amenable to that. Uh, you could, of course, uh, continue to stay up and uh, read if you would prefer, but I would prefer that we adjourn for the evening and not leave this room. I can breathe again as realization comes over me. Of course, he wants to go to sleep. <laughs> and I nod. Yes, uh, I, no, I will, I'll, I'll, I will get ready, uh, to turn in. And I stand up and I move over to where I put my things down on the shelf and I am faced with something. Oh God. Oh, this is interesting. Dare I? Might I? I think I will. Sam has the advantage of knowing that Zalians have, you know, these fewer hangups uh, or fewer taboos surrounding like states of dress and whatnot. And I think, I think he knows that he doesn't need to leave the room to get ready and changed. Uh, he also, I don't think fully knows and hasn't asked and like it's probably more of a tomorrow discussion how out of the room from each other they are allowed to get. He's assuming that, you know, there are certain private intimate things that are, are going to remain uh, private. Um, but things like changing to get ready for bed that is, that is a question mark. And he kind of knows from his experience with Zaron that that was not a big deal. And if he were to start the conversation of like, hey, can I leave the room to get changed and whatnot? Like the little air of comfort uh, that has been built between them, which is important for a lot of different reasons, uh, might disappear. It might make all of this harder. And because he knows he has the freedom to change, I think he makes himself do it. I feel flush the entire time. I undo the fasteners on my uniform. I try to do things quickly and smoothly. I can feel flush in my cheeks and my ears and across my chest, <laughs> creeping up my back as the top of my uniform slips from my shoulders. I don't turn around. There are no reflective surfaces where I might be able to see Zam, but I do feel like I can feel him looking at me as my heart pounds in my chest. I remove the top of my uniform and I pause. There is a bit of shaking excitement in me as I contemplate removing my pants as well. Um, again, I'm not going to get naked in front of this person that I just met. Um, and I know that that is more of an intimate gesture, but again, from what I know of Zalians, uh, it's not, that wouldn't be a faux pas, but I'm revealing a lot of myself to this person out of convenience. And I can't ignore that it's exciting. That embarrassment has maneuvered itself into just the right place that the moment just feels so very intense. And so, yeah, I am making the, oh, wait, oh, fuck. Oh, shoot. I, yeah, I guess I'm doing this. Damn it. All right. <laughs> Describe your character 
intentionally revealing something personal. I am intentionally revealing a lot of my body right now. Um, I only get one of these per game. Um, completely forgot that I had set this up in an intentional way. Even if I forced the character into it, it did become intentional. Uh, so I'm gonna move that brick. Oh my God. Oh, okay, that tower. Ooh, that is an aggressive tower. Um, yeah, I leave my briefs on and I grab an undershirt and I turn around feeling all rosy and ready for bed. And I'm immediately met with Zam's gaze and his expression is completely unreadable. Um, but, but. I definitely, I definitely feel like he watched me uh, the whole time and something feels buzzing and exciting about that. And I get into bed and he gets into the bed as well. I feel the weight of him lying down as the lights in the room dim and the darkness is welcomed. Um, I felt so seen and it was exhilarating, but it is nice to also not be seen right now in this moment. But the bed is small. I try to find my space and I try to give him his, but Zam is in this bed in a way that somebody would be in a bed if they weren't as concerned with keeping personal space. It is hard for me to feel like there is space. And as I turn and, and try to find comfort in this bed, I know I want to make unintentional contact here. I'm trying to figure out the shape of it. I think somebody who is lying down like i think i lie there for what feels to me like a long time on my back i don't normally sleep on my back i like to sleep on my side but there's no safe way it feels like to be on my side and i'm staring up and eventually like i just have to risk a move and we both move at the same time and my hand falls and it falls onto his side and the touch is once again so intense let me let me pull for an unintentional touch okay his skin is so warm and what strikes me in this moment, it's not just how warm and familiar his skin feels. It is the intensity of touch itself. I have spent a lot of time grieving. I have spent a lot of time being internal with myself. And... I realize, I realize how long it has been since I have touched another person. I mean, it makes sense that it's been so long with what I have been through, even recreationally, even, even on the holodeck, um, I haven't been able to stomach any kind of intimacy. And here is my hand just touching something so warm, so touch starved is a term. And it is amazing when you have actually experienced it, when you're in the middle of it, how affirming and grounding the simplest touch can be. And this isn't through my uniform. This is my skin on his skin. 
And there is something so familiar about that. And it feels sweet and it feels pleasant, but it also, it awakens so many memories of what I have been feeling as a deep absence. It's not just the absence of touch or, or intimacy or, or, or truly feeling alone with my struggles. It is, it's the absence of him. And this moment, this touch, it feels like him. And that breaks my heart. The tears well up. There is so much pressure around my eyes, my face. I know that there is no stopping them. And they come out silently. There are no sobs. I try to control my breath, but I just feel them falling in a stream. And I'm trying to determine if, yeah, I think this is an unintentional reveal. Um, I think what Sam is revealing in this moment to Zam is the shape of his grief because Sam can try to stay quiet or contained all he wants, but that grief is hitting him in his heart and mind and lighting up, uh, this psychic space, which I think a more of a bridge has been opened between them in this moment, uh, just based on the conversation that they've had. And I think it is so difficult to describe this to someone who has never experienced a connection with a being capable of experiencing psychic projections and, and reading mental and emotional energies. Um, it's not something that humans can access uh, intentionally, but there is an awareness of it. It is similar to the awareness of, of feeling watched, of feeling seen. I have these emotions that are boiling right now in, in the top of my chest and my throat, this heavy grief, this almost choking grief that I have sat with for so long that has been so lonely in its way, despite all of the, the therapy and space and tools provided to me by the fleet. It has been mine and only mine in a way that is hard to describe. But I feel that grief in this moment seen. And feeling it, feeling it in a way where I know a being who can touch my mind and feel my emotions and therefore also understands the shape of it, it's like I sigh into it. It is... A very similar sensation to relaxing into a comforting embrace. And I, there's a reticence in this. It's not quite embarrassment, something of a, a desire towards privacy. But that's less important than the comfort that I feel from it. So what I'm revealing now is the shape of my grief. And that is unintentional because I felt it in that moment summoned by that unintentional touch. Now I trifle with this horrible tower again. I swear to goodness there is a brick in the middle of this tower that is like horseshoe shaped. This is like a rocking horse Jenga tower. It is awful. That wasn't the tower falling. That was uh, me pulling the brick out of the tower and my hands shaking so much that I, I dropped the brick, but the tower itself is fine. And I think with that psychic sigh of grief, uh, that is where scene two ends. Goodness gravy. 
Hello, heroes, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, I'm sure you heard on previous episodes that there have been a lot of new releases over on the Patreon, uh, in case you missed it. If you uh, follow the Patreon at all, free and paid members now have access to the entire first season of Starwall Odyssey. So that's 14 episodes of uh, fantastic actual play that James and Mel and Drew and Allie have done. Fantastic. Uh, if you are a $5 member, then those episodes continue. So episodes 15 through 21 are now available. Really, really great. At the same tier, $5 and up, they are releasing the session zeros of campaign. So if you want to hear how campaign skyjacks transitioned from campaign Star Wars, those are the episodes to listen to. As well, there is a new mini campaign that is going to be launching. Adventure Capitalists is uh, a wild, wild concept, and it involves, uh, it's a competitive RPG, kind of like the Dungeon Dome, except that the teams are trying to get in-game money, and they can win a real-world prize. Uh, it's extremely cool. It's going to be on its own feed, uh, so definitely look for that uh, dropping soon. The first episode, uh, the preview, is on the campaign feed. And Skyjoust is launching on its own feed. You can look up Skyjoust on any of your favorite podcasting apps, and you'll be able to find uh, what you're looking for there. So lots of really new, exciting stuff as we turn into this new year. Uh, as well, we have wrapped up all of the auditions for the new host for OneShot. So we are behind the scenes working on uh, coming to that decision, and we can still use your help. If you have not yet filled out a survey, please go look in the show notes, and you will find the surveys for all five auditioning hosts. Dylan, Renee, Noir, Bees, and Jay, they're all there. If you haven't listened to their episodes, go check something out and take some time. Give us your feedback. We would really appreciate it. Hit the show notes and look for those links. Now for a word from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With all that out of the way, let's get back to the show. Another thing that uh, I find very interesting is um, how the solo game feels longer. Um, because I guess I, I really do need more time to gather my thoughts around things. This brings us to scene three, finding common ground. I think this takes place in an off-duty kind of context. Um, I want it to be relaxed and casual and also private. I am going to say that... God, I'm, I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to set this scene in the bedroom again because like so far we have uh the you know wherever <laughs> wherever on the ship uh my ensign does his cataloging work and we have their their private quarters together which are cramped and it like that that aspect of it makes me think that like it would be a weird place to uh for, for them to meet you know or for, for like i don't know it's a weird place to socialize kind of like with the sort of awkwardness that's in the relationship uh but maybe it's the sort of thing where like it really does require some privacy and that is hard to arrange on the ship I feel like, you know, there's there's definitely holodecks. I love, love holodecks. Um, but yeah, I think uh, 
I think kind of the expectation is that Starfleet has assigned like this private space so that this can be conducted there. And there just isn't the room to spare right now for some other reason. Like maybe this version or this, this like uh, collective of uh, planets, this federation is one that has to move things and people about a lot more. So like there are just times and spaces where there is precious little private space on the ship. And obviously this got priority because it's attached to a very important cultural matter. So yeah, I guess I am returning to this bedroom for finding common ground. And I think, I think this is a casual atmosphere, a more casual atmosphere. I feel like this might be a couple days into this process and like that first day, I think some monumental things moved. And like with a lot of relationships, there's a dance to it. Uh, things take steps towards intimacy and then take steps away. There's a little bit of resetting and establishing relationships. I think it's very rare in my experience that you find a relationship where you take a turn towards intimacy and then it just keeps moving and building. Oftentimes, like, you know, you will hang out with somebody one day and then go to sleep and then like you're resetting a little bit uh, the next day and you're like feeling out the same comfortability. Uh, maybe it is better to express it. If you have ever hung out with somebody on a trip where you have spent a late night up together talking and there's a lot of intimacy in that late night conversation and then you wake up the next day and that same level of intimacy is not quite there. I think kind of that is what is going on here where there's a process of a couple days where we know that uh, this intimacy is possible, this familiarity is possible, but there is a warming up to it that, that still needs to take place. And we find them now at a time where there is more of a rapport between Sam and Zam, a thing that I still can't believe I have done to myself. Um, so they are in the bedroom, and I think they have propped themselves up. Yeah. Never mind. I'm going back to first person. We're propped up, staring at each other on opposite ends of the bed. Me at the foot of the bed and him against the headboards, each of us propped up on pillows. It feels comfortable between us now. In fact, sometimes I catch myself having to remind myself that I've just met this person really only known them for a few days. Part of it is, I'm sure, that he looks so similar to his brother. Um, apart from, like, coloration, uh, there is a lot of just uncanny resemblance there. Uh, the other part of it, I think, is he is easy to get along with in ways that Zaron actually wasn't. We're on a more even ground. And the more that I get to know Zam, uh, the more obvious that becomes, which I hope is making this easier for him. We're both laughing right now, laughing about some story that I just told. It's true. I swear every word of it is true. I hope that I have come to know you well enough that I would know if you were trying to deceive me in such a way, even if it is difficult to believe. We look at each other. I look into those eyes of his, so easily drawn in by those swirling colors. And there is a silence that hangs between us. And I have to look away. And... What fills that silence 
is a feeling, a feeling that's not far from what I would describe as a call to duty. We can both feel it simultaneously. When you are like me and, and you travel around and get to see so many different cultures, observe so many different traditions and, and practices, uh, it is easy to forget how powerful it can feel to truly immerse yourself in and participate in something. When you've relegated yourself to a position of observer most of the time, or honestly, if the traditions are so familiar to you, they feel mundane. To actually participate in something real, it it reminds you of why the fleet takes such pains to respect culture. Culture is alive, and I feel it in the room with us as it bleeds into that silence. When our eyes meet again, I know that it's time to work. I imagine that you have questions, right? That's, that's part of this. He nods. I can see the adjustment. It's becoming so much more familiar to me now. Hazam keeps a very defined barrier between what is casual and what is serious. Zaron, Zaron had a way of making business feel casual. Everything that he did was friendly, welcoming. It always feels like Watching him now, especially on his face, the way his features straighten up, the way he sits himself up, pulls himself out of a slouch, draws himself to his full height, which is something that he can only maintain for short periods. You can see how duty is a thing that he approaches, not like the air that Zaron breathed. As that duty settles in, I can feel Zam reach out, opening the bridge of a psychic connection. I look to him and smile. I accept your invitation. At this, Zam raises an eyebrow. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that's that's a, a thing with Zaron. Uh, he was very respectful about psychic connections. Uh, he was mindful of the fact that I and a lot of the other people on this ship aren't used to them. Um, and he would always initiate, initiate a connection in a way that, I don't know, it, it felt like he was making a request. And... I just took to uh, letting him know out loud in the best way that I could that his invitation was welcome. Um, so I appreciate that you asked. And yes, uh, I feel comfortable connecting. And with that, I felt the experience of our minds touching. It, it has become so much more familiar, not just... Not just my mind touching Zam's, but the idea of hearts and minds touching in general. It's so strange. With Zaron, I, I had never connected with another being like that. It felt so private and in some ways stolen. With Zam, we are expected to be here, not just by my superiors, but, but also Zam's culture. He, he's here to perform an important ritual. There is an openness about it. I guess it makes the quality of a psychic connection feel more familiar. And how do I describe it to someone who has never experienced it? It is like speaking to someone in an embrace, you are so close to them that, that you feel like you're already touching them. 
which I suppose is why I didn't notice my leg brushing up against his until the warmth of his skin started to make, started to invite that feeling of relaxation that, uh, I guess always accompanies touching his alien. Um, I do feel flush. I do feel as though I am buzzing. But there's something about it that makes the whole thing relaxed. I notice our legs touching, and I just let it be there. I relax with it, and more contact follows. I didn't mean it, but we entangle. And, obviously, that is an unintentional touch from my follow. Oh, that is a mighty unfriendly tower. Mighty unfriendly tower. Okay. All right, then. Ask away. Um, I will try to be as open a book as I can. There's another smile from <laughs> Zam. Uh, he... I think as much as I have spent the last few days putting myself at ease, what I think I have seen in him is him being put at ease as well. Uh, he was very official, very straight-laced. Uh, again, he moved and spoke like he was approaching duty. But now, the time that we take to connect manifests itself in a way that is, I guess, so much more casual. I think it's time you tell me how it started between you two. Not, obviously, you told me about the day that you met, and I understand that your relationship developed over time, but there must have been a point of change, uh, when you crossed from being professional fellows into bedfellows, at that statement, I blush. I am. I am wearing fewer clothing. Uh, I have fewer, less clothing than I normally would in an at ease situation, and part of that is. We've turned the heat in the room up to accommodate Zam's internal body temperature. He was shivering uh, uh, the first couple nights, and I I couldn't watch him shiver. Uh, so we had to turn the heat up, and that means there's only so much I can tolerate. So I've mostly been in shorts and... Uh, and an undershirt. I draw my arms over my chest <laughs> like I have been revealed in some way. And I blush. And I look to him. I raise my eyebrows. Are you asking when our relationship took a turn towards the romantic? Or are you asking about when we slept together? And now I have the pleasure of seeing a Zalian blush. This is something that was rare with Sauron. He had a deep midnight blue color to his skin. You could see it if you knew him well enough when he was getting overwhelmed. But with Sam and his lavender hue, it's much easier to see rosy pink around his cheek and nose and dances over his features so much more easily. And I have to admit puts me at ease because it is difficult being the only one who turns red all the time. I meant no impropriety. Oh, please, please. I don't apologize. We're past apologizing. I think I know what you meant. I had been working with him for Oh, it must have been a few months. We'd gotten to know each other. I had become much more accustomed to the closeness and 
I had gotten a lot more familiarity with your social traditions. Um, it's one thing to read about a culture, but like actually practice uh, with somebody who, you know, grew up with it is, is so much different. And I'm, I'm sure this must have been your experience with Zaron. It is hard to imagine anyone having a different experience with him, but he loved fun. He poured that into everything he did. Even when we were working, even when the work was important and difficult, it was so joyful because of the way that he conducted himself and, and brought people in. He lowered my guard. Um, I, I'm very serious. I, I, I want to do well for the fleet and for our allies and all of that. Um, so I guess it was difficult to help me loosen up. And I, I think he had finally done that. But I see him not along with this statement. This, this picture of his brother must have matched his own perception. That is Zaron. He, uh, everyone was drawn to him, uh, whether it was growing up or in, in his work everywhere. There's a reason that people found him inspiring and admirable. Though he did also have a reputation for being a little too carefree, uh, most certainly there were people under his command uh, back home who were, were drawn into trouble. And of course, Zaron would always step in and uh, take the blame, as it were. But uh, you who describe yourself as so duty-focused must have found yourself slacking quite a bit. This episode of One Shot uses music from the following artists. Set Sail by Matteo Galisi. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online, anywhere, at The Other Tracy. That's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry, we'll be back with another episode of Starcross Solo next week. As always, we end one shot with a call to action, and heroes, I have uh, a pretty specific one that I need your help with. So, uh, I live in the U.S., and I live in the state of Ohio. The governor of Ohio, uh, last week, did something that I was actually very pleasantly surprised by. You see, the Ohio House and Senate had passed House Bill 68, which severely limited access to gender-affirming care for trans youth. Uh, well, the governor, surprisingly, uh, vetoed that bill. Uh, I was very happy. It was it was great news, actually. He, you know, the whole stopped clock is right at least twice a day thing. However, uh, a few days ago, that self-same governor passed an executive order that not only did everything that that bill had done, but also extended it to trans adults. If a trans individual in the state of Ohio wishes to receive gender-affirming health care, they now have to have a team of at least three medical professionals approve this, including a bioethicist, which until this was passed uh, is a medical profession that I had never heard of. Now, there's a very slight silver lining, and this is where I need your assistance. The governor of Ohio notoriously uh, doesn't like public pressure. So there's a contact form. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Especially if you live in the state of Ohio, please go to that contact form, fill it out, and let him know that this executive order is absolutely heinous and uh, an atrocity <laughs> that targets just trans people. Because... Let's face it, there's gender-affirming care for cis people, too. Things like uh, Viagra, uh, that's gender-affirming care. Um, things like breast augmentation, that's gender-affirming care. And guess what is not being included in this order or the previous bill? Yeah. So, 
uh, I would urge you, please take some time, fill out that contact form, and uh, let Governor DeWine know what you think about those actions. Uh, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks very much, heroes. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com OneShotPod. Or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes.